The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Joining us now to discuss is Apollo's Torsten Slock, Larry Adam of Raymond James. Larry, first to you, the winners of 2023. Do they just keep on winning? I think they do, John. I mean, if you think about it, what you saw yesterday and what you've seen from the big mega cap tech stocks in general has been the trifecta of, of good things, right? They've beaten on the top line. They've beaten on the bottom line because their margins continue to expand. And probably most important, they've continued to raise their guidance in the future. And when I look at valuations, Right now, the valuations of those in aggregate are pretty much where they've been over the last three years. But over that time period, they've more than doubled the performance of the S&P 500. So they've been keeping pace with their earnings with how good they've been doing in the market. So I think that continues into next year where the market's clearly going to be challenged for uh, growth. That single name, 240% plus gains year to date on NVIDIA. The commentary on the south side, Evercore, just another run-of-the-mill blowout quarter for NVIDIA. Bloomberg Intelligence, NVIDIA's third straight double-digit percentage beat of sales census this year and they raised. Torsten, you put out a note in the last week. It wasn't about mega cap tech. It was about small caps. 40% of the companies on the Russell, negative earnings. Torsten, how unusual is that? That is really unusual. I mean, what the big picture really here is that everything that's going on in the tech world, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. What's very critical about this situation is that we still have the Fed having rates at very high levels at the moment. And that's certainly having a negative impact across the board on companies that have no cash flows. So that's why even the forward PE for NVIDIA uh, is, of course, also heavily dependent on whether we will have that slowdown that the Fed is trying to engineer. So I look at this from the broadest perspective of, well, the Fed is still trying to slow the economy down. And with that backdrop, it actually makes more sense to look at the trailing PE and the trailing PE of the the Magnificent Seven is about 50. So that also still leads you to the conclusion that these things are still, in my view, quite heavily overvalued. It's also how challenged are things going to get for the smaller numbers, the smaller names, the smaller companies, given that we just had jobless claims at 209, unemployment south of 4%. We just had a quarter of GDP growth close to 5%, and you've still got 40% of the companies on the Russell with negative earnings. That is what's so incredible, Jonathan, namely that how can companies not make money if this supposedly is a booming economy? And if I type ECFC go on my Bloomberg screen and look at what the consensus expects for the next three quarters, GDP growth is going to be basically half a percent for the next nine months. So with that backdrop, this expectation that everything will still be fine for the next six, 12 months, I think that's completely misguided. The Fed is trying to slow the economy down to get inflation to come down. And with that backdrop, we should expect rates higher for longer. So there's just a missing conversation about about rates are actually going to still continue to have a negative impact on companies with high leverage, with low coverage ratios, and with generally weak cash flows. So I still think that high rates are going to have a negative impact on the economy, just like it's had on consumers, on corporates, and on banks. And I think that that process continues. Larry, with that in mind, why would this rally broaden out anytime soon? Well, I think I don't necessarily think it's going to necessarily broaden out that quickly. Um, I agree with Torsten in, in regards to that. I do think we have a mild recession in the first half of next year. Uh, and, and that's typically when you start to see small caps start to pick up, right? Because it's a forward looking indicator. So once we actually get into the recession, you'll start to price in the prospects of the recovery. So I wouldn't be overly 
bullish on on the broadening until we actually see the recession actually occur. Well, let's talk about the winner, NVIDIA, a big time year today, reporting another stellar quarter. Ed Nudlow with us on the West Coast for more. Morning, Ed. Yeah, good morning, Jonathan. Just on the fiscal third quarter just gone, you know, a, a beat across the board against sell-side expectations, but also I'm hearing, you know, pretty comfortably against some buy-side expectations, which were much more elevated. In the third quarter, they booked $10 billion of net income. And the way that I think about it is that that's more net income than they booked in the entirety of full year, full year fiscal 23. Remember when they were impacted by the PC slump. In other words, NVIDIA shipping these H100 GPUs is the only game in town for that. shipping them at volume and doing it quite profitably. Um, The outlook is key, right, for the fiscal fourth quarter. $20 billion of revenue plus or minus 2%. But even if you go with the minus 2%, they're still way above the the average of analyst estimates on the consensus side. The the story is about the impact of U.S. technology export curbs. They are being impacted. Those updates on the policy side came late in the quarter they just reported. But what they're saying is that there will be a sharp drop in shipments to China in the fiscal fourth quarter. The way that the market seems to be looking at it, though, is that the guidance for that fiscal fourth quarter period could have been even better. They're leaving money on the table. And I just reiterate, we can go on this later in the show, they're supply constrained. In other words, that if they stop shipping to China, there is demand elsewhere that they can divert that supply to. That's a part of the equation. Um, the long, long term with China is still a massive question mark. Just absolutely incredible. Ed, let's catch up around the opening bell again. NVIDIA up by 242% year to date. Month to date, the month of November, we caught up with Jack Caffrey of JP Morgan. He had a great line on this. What a year November's been. Month to date on the Nasdaq up more than 10%. On the S&P 500 up more than 8%. That's the equity market. Torsten, we have to talk about the economy. And in some ways, sometimes it's divorced by, from what's happening in equities. And you can see that just looking at delinquency rates, what's happening with the consumer. Torsten, are you still making the argument that that tightening is starting to bite? That you can see that, say, beyond jobless claims, which came in much lower than anticipated this morning. Are you still seeing evidence that higher rates are biting? So think about the bigger picture here, that the Fed is still trying to get the economy to slow down. And what has happened in response to Fed hikes is exactly as you're saying, Jonathan, we're seeing delinquency rates going up on credit card and auto loans. We're seeing default rates going up for high yield and loans quite quickly in the last six months. And we're also seeing bank lending slowing down. That's exactly what the textbook would have predicted. The Fed is in the process of slowing the economy down. And the result of that will, of course, also be that earnings will slow down. And if we don't get that slowdown, the Fed will just keep on saying, like they communicated in the minutes yesterday, well, but then maybe we'll just be still considering hiking even further. So if we don't get the slowdown, call it organically where we are at the moment, well, then we may all be surprised that the Fed might then begin to re-hike rates again. In other words, the discussion really here is that this is all happening with the backdrop of the Fed trying to slow things down. And they are succeeding on some fronts, but I think a number of these developments are completely being ignored by the stock market, including these slowing things that we're seeing on the consumer, on the corporate and on the banking side. To some extent, Torsten, the Federal Reserve needs to be blamed for that. There is a takeaway in the last month. This labour market is no no longer a reason for this Fed to be hawkish. Do you think that's the wrong way of looking at this labour market? 
Well, I think there's a number of... Uh, I, I do agree with what you're saying. It is still a bit puzzling why jobless claims continues to be so weak, I'm sorry, so strong at these low levels. But what is important is that we have seen weakness in the unemployment rate. It dropped at 3.4, now we're at 3.9. It is trending higher. So, of course, we'll need to see another few months exactly what the weakness of the labor market is going to look like. But the number of job openings is coming down. The work week is coming down. You're seeing the warn notices has also been softening. Across the board, a number of the labor market indicators are suggesting that things will continue to weaken. We're also seeing youth unemployment has gone up quite substantially in the last six months. All these things point to weaker labor demand, which is exactly also the way that the Fed would be thinking about their rate hikes are working. It's just taking a bit longer time, partly because there were more excess savings and partly because of the fiscal stimulus that's still coming from a number of different fronts. So I still think that we should be thinking about this in terms of what is the Fed trying to do? They're trying to get inflation under control. That's also how we think about who should we think about earnings. Larry, if the answer to where is higher unemployment, is it still just wait, it's coming? No, I think it is coming. You know, one thing I'd add to those jobless claims numbers is you know, look at the continuing claims, right? They're starting to approach levels that we haven't seen in two years. And I think that that's really getting to the point that it's actually getting tougher to go find a new job. So I think that's going to start to slow. When I look at other spending activity, you know, if you look at credit card activity, it's it's been flat to slightly down. Uh, so that shows me that the consumer's starting to slow their spending. And when we do our own survey for clients, you know, it was kind of interesting that only 5% of the respondents that we had actually said they were going to spend more over the next six months. 33% said they were going to spend less. So that tells me that the consumer is really starting to slow. And as Torsten said, the reason it hasn't slowed yet is because we had that buffer of excess savings. Well, that buffer has pretty much been evaporated. And I think it's really going to start to bite as we sit here right now. Larry, we heard from some retailers, a whole bunch of them actually in the last week or so. Are you seeing that in the earnings, the commentary from those companies? Yeah, I mean, I think what you're seeing there is that it's a struggle on the top line. They're beating their current earnings by having expense management and working down their inventories. But if you look at guidance, guidance has been very soft for each of those major retailers. And I think that that is a sign that they're seeing the consumer really weakening. In fact, one of the other things that we look at is what kind of hiring did they do for the for the holiday season? And a lot of their hiring has been a lot weaker than what you typically see. Again, a sign that the consumer is really starting to weaken here. Torsten Slock, I want to come back to you. 2022, you speak to an official of the Federal Reserve, and you'd hear this in various different ways on repeat. The risk of doing too little outweighs the risk of doing too much. As we get to the end of 2023, Torsten, from the Fed's perspective, has that assessment changed? And I think the minutes yesterday exactly spelled out that they are still very worried about not getting inflation quite yet under control. I think that the big difference between how the Fed looks at things and the market looks at things is that the market is saying, oh, well, inflation is indeed coming back to 2%, whereas the Fed is actually saying in the minutes yesterday, we need further evidence to be convinced that we are on the road back to 2%. So in that sense, the Fed wants to be 100% sure that inflation is completely under control and is completely at the 2% level where their target is before they begin to declare victory. And I think the market is underestimating the Fed's commitment to getting inflation all the way back to 2%. So you're pushing back against the rate cuts that are priced for 2024. 
that's the Torsten Slog for you over at Apollo. Larry Adam, I need to know, to understand from your perspective, whether that matters to an equity call for next year. Uh, two calls are mentioned before we went to commercial break. One was from RBC, 5,000 points year-end next year on the S&P. The other from Bank of America, Savita Subramanian. Bullish because of this. Bullish not because we expect the Fed to cut, but because of what the Fed has already accomplished. Larry, how would you address that one? So I think that, that you're going to see a period of consolidation. I'm not disagreeing that the markets can go higher next year, but I think in the near term, the market's priced in a lot of good news. So for example, when you talk about the market's priced in four interest rate cuts for next year, we think there's only going to be two. When you look at the earnings forecast for next year, consensus is like 220, 244. We're more in a tread water type of environment where we think it's 220, 225. When you look at the recession, the consensus is looking for a soft landing. We think we have a mild recession. And then the other thing it's very important is that you really can't keep rallying on the same news. And what I mean by that is that inflation is clearly, in my opinion, on its downward trajectory. But we can't keep rallying every time we get another number that just continues to show that. So I think there's going to be some challenges here in the near term. And the fact that a lot of these people are turning so optimistic, to me, that's a contrarian signal to be a little bit more cautious, at least here in the near term. Larry, what does caution look like for you? How do you express that in markets? Well, I think it's, it's all about selectivity. The sectors that we like, I'd mentioned to you earlier, I still think you can stick with technology because even if we do have that mild recession, I think the earnings growth will hold up there. Uh, you got to look at specific areas where there's a catalyst. I look at valuations and the two places I would look there are energy because I do think that energy prices will ultimately move higher over the next six to 12 months and that'll help that sector. And then I do think financials, there's been so much bad news built into financials on the back of what's happening in the regional bank space potentially. But regional banks make up a very small component of the S&P 500, it's less than a percent. So I think you gotta worry about that big headlines, but ultimately how they impact the respective uh, markets that we're looking at. I'm not sure what would have these banks at this point. It's been a difficult year. Larry, appreciate your time. Larry Adam, Torsten Slog, two of the best. Happy Thanksgiving, gents. Have a good Thursday. Good appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.